So if you're anything like Axel, you're probably on your fourth D&D campaign and are really struggling to generate new NPC names. Or maybe you're like me and you just insist on giving names to every single one of your space marines. Or maybe you're having a baby here soon and you're sick and tired of all those boring baby naming books. Well then, I suggest you pick up Naming Your Little Geek by Scott Rubin. A perfect compendium of names from all over pop culture, complete with brief character synopses, origins, and root words. A fascinating read on its own, but really useful if you're trying to find a non-pun name for your Wi-Fi. Use the link in our description below and get naming. Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Lord Commander Orc, with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? It's going alright. I uh, I had a good workout. I, I went to the the gym after work and I brought my PlayStation Portable, which I pulled out for the first time in like six years. <laughs> and I just started playing Legend of Dragoon while I got on the Stairmaster. And it, the uh, the hour and ten went by like like that. Didn't even think about it. So Legend of Dragoon, man, we all wasted a lot of hours on that game. I mean, less so than you think. Apparently, it's pretty niche comparatively, but which is weird. But also, I don't know. All I know <laughs> is it distracted me, and I didn't think about you know I was sweating, so like I was working out, but I wasn't thinking about it. So it worked out pretty well. How are you doing? It is officially fall here in coastal Washington, which means it's going to rain a fuck ton. Mm. But I have, uh, I'm not going to date the episode too much, but I have been enjoying the hell out of our Discord today. Oh, yeah, that's true. Although the last one, the... I saw that, and I was like, mm, no, and that, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. By the time this episode comes out, we'll have already done all this. This will be in the past, but seriously, you guys should be in our Discord. It's a fun place. It is a very fun place, especially with Twitter imploding. <laughs> Twitter's dead, and thank God. Yeah, but a corpse can still implode and become a black hole. Just saying. Yeah. It, no, it's more like, you know, when they blew up that whale. Yeah, that's fair. It just spread the shit around. Anyway, before we spend too much time talking about that unimportant stuff, why don't you get to something that actually is important and awesome? Our patrons, the people that support us every month to keep this free to you. They are Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin A., Brandon... Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Donal Lucy, Patrick Anton, Carson L, Scott Rubens, Derek Patty, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join the illustrious Legion, head over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. If you want to give us a little bit of extra money, join at the $5 tier and you'll get access to all sorts of great bonus content. And today we're joined by a new lovely guest. Feel free to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Jessica Lynn Verde, and I'm a geekaholic. Geekaholic, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> You're going to have to explain what that means, because that can be interpreted in a lot of ways. No, I just felt like by having to introduce yourself, I've been to count it. Uh, actually, two um, anonymous, not um, like the anonymous <laughs> from the internet people, but like... Let's keep digging. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I had uh, no idea you were an earthbender, Jessica. Yes, I am, actually. <laughs> if I could be anything like that chick from avatar i would be glad to be but i'm not no so i've been to an what is it a um narcotics anonymous to support somebody in their quote-unquote birthday of sobriety mm -hmm. and then i went to like a codependence anonymous basically <laughs> to see if that would help me 
with my codependency. Uh, and while I would say, yes, I'm probably a love addict, it didn't, it, I didn't want to do that, so I never went back. But they ask you to introduce yourself like, much like you just asked me. So I felt like I had to say I was an aholic of something. <laughs> oh, fair. You know what? I'll take it. There we I go. was wondering where that journey was going to end. It, the, this is the thing. It's like you're not. So I'm an improviser. I'm an actor. I'm a geek. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a music nerd. I am an artist uh, with almost any medium you could throw at me. And improv was probably the hardest one for me to grasp because it's the it's the the, the one without a net. Literally, like you don't have to fall back on the author's writing or you're playing a character so if the audience doesn't like it at least it's not me or even when I was writing my own music at least I have a guitar you know that was hiding my body or my mind hmm. um, something to focus on so doing improv meant that I had to I, I nothing was there to save, to save me except for my partners and so my brain works so fast now that I did all of that heavy lifting in two seconds and said, oh, I'm going to go with the alcoholic joke. And now we spent five minutes explaining it. Yeah, that's fine. What's funny is the way you explain that makes me feel like the way I think about stand-up comedy. Similar kind of thing. Okay. I, I love stand-up comedy because I feel like it's one of the most fundamental interactions between a performer and an audience. Since, like you just said, there is nothing between just the single performer they're what they're doing and the audience which is why i like genuine stand-up more than persona stand-up but different conversation <laughs> it's not i mean it's all Maybe interconnected that that's an episode i want to do i'd be happy to talk about that because all of it's still a uh, ultimately we can save it for another episode but even the persona com comedy it's all workshopped you know paul yep. rudd is a persona comedian and you wouldn't say his work is bad, you know, or any yeah. less worthy. So it's all it's all valid. Uh, oh yeah, I want to be clear. Comedy. I was not trying to bash persona comedy. No I one was, just... was saying that. Yeah. I was saying that about you. We, we traffic in persona comedy. <laughs> That's right. That's right. What would you say? How would you describe both of your personas? Oh, I'm an asshole. <laughs> Do you know how hard that is for me as a codependent to deal with? No. You know, it's the, true considering the I'm the co- has defined my persona as an asshole who loves big women. And since oh. I'm the co-host, I am frequently the target of said assholery. You're the straight man. A little bit. I, I'm also, I think my persona is the pedantic one. I'm the neurotic yeah. one. I'm kind of the, the, the... And the antagonist a lot of the time. I, I guess. Someone I feel like we're both be. antagonists. Someone has to be, though. Do you know what I mean? You gotta give the audience the the polar opposite takes, and someone's gotta say the things that other people don't want to hear. Yeah, I I have been known to devil's advocate into stuff I don't actually <laughs> believe for the purpose of exploring the conversation. Ah, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I I prefer to uh, I prefer to explore the gray areas of conversations, um, but usually in 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 a in the hopes of like representing everybody's voice in the conversation except mm -hmm. for intolerant and racist oh yeah people. obviously yeah we don't we don't uh dabble in the gray area there no same much. page what's really funny and anyone who's followed us for a long time already knows this but because we have used like historical stuff as our like imagery and whatnot we've had to make a very clear stance of fuck nazis <laughs> 
Like, ah. we had to deal with those people for a long time. Very, Ulrich was very yeah. good at slapping them away from us. Well, it's, it's just, if you traffic in any number of nerd circles, you're going to find Nazis, unfortunately. Wow. It's just a sad, unfortunate side of, like, they just, they love all the worst things. Yeah. Well, they're humans, right? Uh, even though they're evil, right? So well, they... There's a whole debate on humanity evil. There's really a divide, but... That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that but, is a whole other podcast. But I guess is like that's the cha the challenge with media in general is, like even the Ku Klux Klan can find their justification in the Bible, and you could talk about climate change in a TV show, and the anti climate change people are going to be like, oh my god, that is so funny, that is such a stereotype, and then the pro, you know, the real the people who believe it's real will also see themselves represented. So it's not surprising that it, the people like that will find themselves represented in media like this. Yeah. yeah. My, my main reason to bring it up was to illustrate that like, that's basically our line. Like for a long time, cause we've been doing this for five plus years now. And for a long time we were like, you know, no politics in the podcast. And then we basically got over that and we're like, it, well, it's not a political statement to say fuck Nazis, first of all, but no, it's not correct. Yeah. But then we basically got to the point where we're like, hey, you know what, this is what we think, and this is what we feel, and it, we're we're not, like, interested in pushing on anyone, but at the same time, if you're going to be... If you put up fences, you get a lot less Nazis. Yeah. I, am, I imagine that's true. And it's interesting, this does uh, carry over to our topic today pretty easily, because The Hobbit came out, and uh, some sort of Nazi group wrote to J.R.R. or, uh, you know, asked for a published work or a signed copy of, of his work because they're like, yeah, those Jews, right? Like, like the dwarves, wink, wink. And uh, Tolkien had to write, basically go, oh, no, I, I, uh, this is not, I am not you. I am not writing for you. <laughs> and that's why uh, Gimli was very different in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, didn't, I think he banned publishing of the Lord of the Rings in Nazi Germany because they really loved his depiction of the superior Germanic white race. And he's like, no, gonna stop I, I'm that. So, sure that's right. Right. I'm so, sure that's right. Yeah, so real quick, before we get into that, for anyone listening who didn't see the topic and who hasn't seen previous episodes like this, what we are engaging with today is something called Pillars of Geekdom. Now, we've done this before. We like to do this with new guests because it's basically a, a good way to explore a topic that a guest already knows a lot about. And this comes down to a conversation that Ulrich and I had a long time ago, where, like, literally, like, something like 15 years ago at this point, where we came up with this idea that your fandom, as a person, your fandom is like a structure of some sort. A house is an easy way to think about it. And we were talking about foundational fandoms, fandoms that are things you got into when you were really young that literally laid the foundation for everything else you were going to be into as you got older. A lot of times you can trace most of the stuff you're into back to a handful of two to six, I'd say, foundational fandoms. Pillars, then, in this metaphor, are the things that hold up your structure. They may be foundational, they may not, but they're the things that currently your fandom structure revolves around that uh, that holds it up so they they are like the your other things you're into kind of emanate from them which maybe i'm getting a little highfalutin there but anyway so that's pedantic um, yeah pedantic as i as i am want to do but 
this is the imagery. I like the imagery, and so we came up with this concept of pillars of geekdom, and your pillar, as you have alluded to, was is Lord of the Rings, correct? It certainly is one of them, that's right, to the point where now I'm doing a podcast about it. Excellent. So our first question, which is always, <laughs> in this case it's a little goofy, but it's always just give the audience a brief explanation of what your pillar is. I'm looking yeah, forward to certainly, this Yeah, certainly not goofy, but... I mean only goofy because like, anyone listening to this is going to know what Lord of the Rings yeah, it's is. It's like... How do you not know what Lord of the Rings is, and how do you make a brief explanation of what Lord of the Rings is for someone but, that doesn't know? But for sake I, of introduction, uh, go ahead. <laughs> fair. Uh, I think that's something we explore on our show, too, Podcast of the Rings, is, like, uh, what's your different entry point to it? I think your entry point is usually important to your geekdom as well. Uh, I, I do a Star Trek convention every year yes. uh, <laughs> in Las Vegas. And everyone has a different entry point, but there's a lot of people, you know, that started as uh, original series or next generation and, and their dad showed them or their mom showed them or their mom wrote, you know, erotic fan fiction. <laughs> you never know. As a sidebar, uh, Ulrich is not a Trek person, but Trek is foundational and pillar for me. <laughs> yeah. I, so let's put, it's interesting that um, I didn't put this together at the time, but I have a personal philosophy that we have five pillars in our life. Uh, that if at any one time more than three are, are are not doing well, or then your foundation or your wellness is going to be rocked. And we can get into mm. that later if you want. I like that. So, I, I'm going to apply that. Go on. Yeah. Um, I, and those five tend to shift, but they're, they're pretty um, clear uh, things. So I would say Star Wars, Star Trek, Lord of the Rings are like three pillars for me. Um, a lot of crossover in there. There is so much, especially in Star Trek and um, Lord of the Rings. So, my, I, I never, I have maybe finished three or four assigned books in my entire tenure of being a student in school. That was assigned to me, mm -hmm. and one was assigned. Uh, we were assigned The Hobbit, and my father was thrilled, and he was really big on. Um, us being ready for the time, uh, being the right age or it being the right time to absorb a piece of media that he loved. And I, I left out Dune. Dune's another one. Um, so four. Dune is the fourth. So long story short, he's thrilled I'm reading The Hobbit. I get into the first chapter and I'm fucking annoyed with glimly, balimly, boom, boom, boom. boom. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I'm, 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 I can't get past it. Which is typical. I'm in seventh grade at this point. It's not like the reading is all that hard at seventh grade, but it's you know you're start, you're starting to get Tolkien, into a little bit more complex word work. And Tolkien's a is a tough one to get through sometimes because he's not what you would say classically trained as a writer. I have oh. comments on that, but I wanna I wanna well, you let you were the one that first said that. That's what I always says like you know. Well, I wanna get tried it first. And you rejected Love Rings. Like, I, I love it, but I can't read it. Well, I'll, I'll get into that in a sec, but I want to let Jessica finish her, how, to, how she got into it. Yeah, I actually yeah. didn't know that. So anyway, my father, uh, who's not a strict person, but like a, a passionate man, um, you got to finish it. Just finish the first chapter, finish the first chapter. He, he also does not look like, by any stretch of the imagination, what a, a Tolkien nerd would look like to you. He was 100%, he is 100% like a jock from the 70s, beer drinking dude, 
um, Italian Jersey dude. Anyway. That's uh, my older brother. His two loves are capitalism and fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> See, you can find them all anywhere. Uh, God, my father loves capitalism too. So he encouraged me to finish it. And by the end of the first chapter, I was wrapped. I was in. I was all in. I was like, this is the. I, I flew through the book. Probably one of the first books I've finished. And like I said, have ever finished in school. Uh, I always read like things I wanted to just just listen to the teacher well enough to write my essays essentially um and then I blew through the books we, the, it was perfectly in time for the movies to come out at, at least that was my age what the movies like early 2000s right I was still like at 2000 2001 2002 yeah it's yep. around the same yep. time that X-Men and Spider-Man and all that because it's the same kind of thing happening so yeah it, oh like one day you guys should have Hector Navarro come on because his talk he, we, I got to talk to him about his experience of loving Spider-Man and then this boom happening was really interesting for him. I'm exactly. a huge Spider-Man fan. The potential guests. Spider-Man's well, still my favorite comic book character, so yeah. <laughs> next time tell next time tell Scott Rubin that and see how that goes over. So, wait, 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 wait. What do I got to tell Scott? That you love Spider-Man? You, Peter Parker in particular. He does not like Oh, I didn't know this. We have to get you back didn't know this? That. He wears it like a, a spider on his chest. I, might Listen, also... I know many things about Scott. His hatred of Spider-Man is not one of them. Ooh, That's interesting. Well I mean, to be fair, I love I love Spider-Man in basically every form. I love I love Peter. I love Miles. I love Gwen. I love multiple other incarnations. I love Ben Riley. But anyway. That's totally fair. I love Spider-Cat. My friend Amanda yeah. was the meow for Spider-Cat in the most recent... <laughs> Nice. Oh, one. Yeah, very <laughs> proud. My favorite character of that whole movie was Spider Cat. Of course, it's it's a big deal. So um, <laughs> anyway, so you blew through the Lord of the Rings books. Blew through the Lord of the Rings book just in time to watch the movies, which one hundred percent are synonymous with the characters as I imagined them. Uh, just the timing was right um, for me to just fall in love with it. I I don't have the same fervor that say my boyfriend does. Who I started the podcast with originally, who digested the Silmarillion and original uh, unfinished stories and all these things like other people. The have. Silmarillion is the great culling of uh, yes. level oh, of yeah. fans. Yes, it is. I such love a the fantasy textbook. That's who boy. Uh, Scott and I were actually on our way back from Vegas to Los Angeles this past Star Trek convention. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put on the Silmarillion. I happen to have it as an audiobook. And he said, please, Jessica, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried. I've tried so many times because that's like, listen, I, I love this world. I want to know about it. And then I start reading it. And it's like, oh, good God, no. This is and just I think why. that's why people are upset about Rings of Power, which, again, if I'm oh, boy. Uh, hearing off topic. <laughs> nope. Uh, oh, that's all right. Because, You're talking because... to two people who actually liked Rings of Power, but... I liked it Correction, too. Who's still like Rings of Power? Because there's this weird trend of everyone yeah. that liked it has now decided they don't like no, it. I still like it. Yeah. It's, no, it's, it's a weird thing. Like they said, they don't like it, but they won't say why, other than it's this weird nerd thing going on of nerds hate everything they loved. I guess. And they decided that Rings of Power is bad now. I have not. I did not know that this was a, a thing it's, that happened. It's a trend I'm noticing. Like it's like everyone loved the first season of Mando. Now everyone hates it for reasons I don't fully understand. It's amazing how uh, this is a phenomenon I've I've thought about a lot since like high school, um, especially because I'm sure you guys came up in the era too, where it's like, oh, you haven't read that book, oh, you didn't listen to yep. that piece of music, you're an idiot. Yeah. As yep. opposed to seeing like the opportunity 
for somebody to go, oh, let me show you this then, or, you know. Our generation lived in fear of, oh, you haven't watched this important thing? Million percent. Literally, like right now, I'm currently in the process of reading out loud the name of the wind to my girlfriend because she had never read it. And so that's one of those examples where it's like, oh, you haven't read this? Opportunity. Yeah. I feel that's the one thing that Gen Z's gotten right is it's an opportunity where our generation was. It was an opportunity to judge your fellow man. Like, you know, no, I, I haven't read this old ass book. Why would I? Well, and I think that's why maybe Gen Z is doing that because people like myself i can take credit like i really there was a time where i got really good with music especially and was like oh you don't know this band oh my god cool or whatever and kind of got a little snooty about it and then realized i didn't want to be that person and started to you know take the opportunity to go oh very cool well what do you like then rather you know what i mean it is funny it feels like i'm sorry to interrupt you no please i was gonna say it feels like music is possibly the easiest medium to fall into that with i i was up until college i was a metal and rock snob because i grew up around that that's what my parents and my grandparents and stuff were into and then i got into college and started watching content creators who talk about different genres of music and now i'll listen to basically anything but anyway well so that's just i guess my point is i i think what happens is once you've been mean someone's been mean to you a couple times you kind of like look for the opportunity where you get to be means to somebody else like that (laughs) pass on the trauma yes a hundred percent i can i i know i did this or if you know another simple exactly as simple example is like oh who sings that song keep it that way and you just are dying for the time when you could do that to somebody do you know what i mean um that that horrible mean joke anyway Uh i think what happens and I think actually that's why podcasters and YouTubers are, YouTubers are important or, or influential. You hear one person, one jackass say, this actually sucks because of this. All they're taking away is the opinion. They're not walking away with the nuance. And you see an opinion shift very quickly. And I think, I think it's a similar psyche. It, it, oh, it's 100%. Everyone wants to be a critic without actually having to do the work to be a critic. It doesn't help that particularly YouTube and the podcast space have a, there's literally like a whole machinery of, of outrage content. And it's really funny to watch them try to create outrage where there is none or stuff that goes contrary to literally what they've just done or, but anyway, Barbie was such a fun example of that. (laughs) I was thinking what did, what spurred this, right? So like what, what ruined JJ uh, Abrams, Star Wars and all those things. And I really oh think it was the advent of uh, Christians realizing they could change, affect change in Starbucks during Christmas. I hadn't heard this one. Hmm. Well, I was just thinking about it the other day. Oh, you don't know when they got pissed about the red? The I no, no, I remember, I remember that, but I just haven't heard the idea of a, a combining that with the star wars discourse conversation i just hadn't heard that well before. i think you can I, I i bet you there is a chart where you can link how people because you have plenty of people on the internet angry about something even hector navarro social media thing like social media's ability to amplify dumb takes totally and ability I, but it wasn't, to dumb takes but and even the star even the starbucks thing i think the first couple times it happens like well you know what the christians are upset again but then they realize that they could change literal businesses and now you have people enough people complaining and the pride 
uh, merchandise comes down at Target because of it. Or enough, you know, sad boys get upset and you completely see Rose Tran's character diminished in the future movie. So So the cycle has been, or has appeared to be, People on Twitter get mad about it. Journalists that are on Twitter think that a majority of people are on Twitter, write about it, and then because it was written about, they become convinced that this was a thing. Right. Example being, Rings of Power had was not was not perfect, had some issues all the way through. Everyone talked about those issues being a thing all the way through. Translates to, oh, I guess no one actually liked Rings of Power because it had issues. Well, and I, th- I saw the stupidest thing the other day, which was... Rings of Power uh, greenlit for season two or season three. I'm like, bro, it's been greenlit for all five or six seasons. It's not, (laughs) this isn't news. You know, everyone's just looking for a new. The writer's strike made quote unquote media news really bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nothing to talk about. That's fair. Yeah, I I think that's fair. That's Um, like, you just look at what the, like reality TV shows cranked up and bullshit news started going, hey, this show that was renewed three years ago got renewed for another season. Like, yeah, they, they signed a contract saying five seasons guaranteed. So, totally. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So to bring us, as you were kind of talking, back to Lord of the Rings, uh, to to follow up on the thing that Ulrich said about me without, like, context, <laughs> and, and now to ha- have that. Yes, when I was, uh, I read The Hobbit, like you said, when I was, I don't know, probably in middle school, so probably around the same time, although I did, right. I did enjoy it. I tried to read Fellowship, because I had them at the time in the three different... I didn't have the single, you know, The Lord of the Rings. And I tried to read Fellowship, and I got probably, at the time, like, 40 to 60 pages into it before I gave up on it, because it was not my writing style, simply put. And now I have nothing but massive amounts of respect and love for what Tolkien has made. I especially love just going down wiki holes about stuff in his world. So I love it all conceptually. I just didn't care much for his writing style. This year, my, my girlfriend had a copy of the Lord of the Rings in one book. So it's like 1200. Uh Yep. Yeah. Like 1200 page or something. And I've, is it the green cover one? No, it's the one that has the, it's like the, it's got the ring wraith from Fellowship, the movie, on the front. Oh, okay, yeah, I don't know that one. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's at my job right now. I read it at lunch sometimes. <laughs> and I'm getting to. I've read two thirds of it. I finished the part that I'm like I'm right at the part where Frodo has been taken by the orcs after the Shelob interaction. So. Oh, oh, you're almost done. Yeah. Yes. Oh, no, sorry. That's the um, end of Two Towers. I, I yeah. get confused. I get confused yep. because he truncated it in the movies um, differently or he sparsed it out differently in the movies. Yeah. But yeah, that's so, great. So I'm two thirds through it and I have new thoughts about it in general, which is funny. And I, and as someone who is you know coming on to say their pillar is Lord of the Rings, I am curious because uh, like one thing that's still hard for me to get over is in Fellowship, or I guess it's not really broken up that same way in the book, but in the first, like, third of the book, I had a really hard time with the songs. The the sheer number yeah, of them. Yeah, right, you hate the songs, which I get. I understand. You know what? I don't blame you. Yeah, well, it's not that I hate them. The problem is, the second I see that it's a song, my brain latches on to melody, and uh-huh. so I can't interpret words and meaning. 
and he's yep. he's trying to put a bunch of story into these songs, but I ha- I will read it like four times and not pick up any of the actual what is that has plagued people forever because it's like listen Tolkien if you're not going to give me a sung to the tune of don't put it in I think that's a very fair criticism I think if you were there's two there's two pieces of advice I would have for anybody um one is be a musician like myself and I I just put words to it no just be um, a musician or, just, you know, <laughs> yeah, you just know be, that thing we do well, and that, yeah, it's not advice so much as that was easier for me because I would just sing it, but I doubt I retained the information, but I knew I needed to read it because I couldn't skip it. <laughs> so <laughs> I need, I, I had very much the same issue. So I, I, um, I feel bad for you. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all right. But, but again, I have been enjoying the book. I only have one real problem like that, that, uh, I, I don't want to be a problem. I'm trying to like, not think about it because like you said before, all the characters in the movie like were—I forgot the word you used—but they like linked up with what you thought about them in in the book. Now, since I experienced the movie first, I'm trying not to let that happen because I am a big fan of books and I know that's a great adaptation. And I think it's funny that one of the first things I interpreted was that I like Book Gimli way more. Not that movie Gimli is bad, but Book Gimli gets to just have so many more cool lines. Yeah. yeah, we actually talk about that in Podcast of the Rings. They totally nerf him in the movies pretty bad. Yeah. But conversely, I am very annoyed by Book Aragorn. Okay, and tell me why. In the movie, right, the way that, um, well, I don't know why his, his name Vigo is... Vigo Mortensen. Vigo, thank you. I was thinking Vito. I was like, that's not right. Vigo. No, <laughs> yeah. Vigo sexy. Vito not sexy. <laughs> exactly. The way Vigo plays it has this very classic what's the word um he's a reluctant king like reluctant people thank you he's a very classic reluctant hero narrative now i'm not saying that that trope is necessary for like good writing but it, it creates a particular layer of internal like acting that the character gets to engage in that is very enjoyable but book aragorn and again i haven't finished it and i, I mean i'm literally about to do the part that's really concerning him, but just looking at the first two-thirds of it, Book Aragorn has this much more, for lack of a better term, fairy tale prince kind of characterization, where he is perfect at everything, he is the best at everything, he is Uh arrogant about it, to the point where, like, he will talk down to Gandalf about some stuff, and he has this, like, pretentiousness, and this... He's a classical hero. Like, in the mold of the sagas that Tolkien was looking at, you know, I am king, God-ordained, and look at how special I am. Yeah, exactly. And it, it I just... Not, I do not know that I got that read off of it, but I, I sort of understand. It's but been a long on. time since I've read it, but that's how I remember him coming across. Yeah. Like, and, it's, oh. and it has to do with very specific things he says. Like, for instance, when he first enters Rohan, and he talks about his sword because he's carrying the broken sword and yeah. and nothing he says is wrong but it's just the way he talks about how no one else can hold this thing and that like how important he is be- and how important it is and again it's really just in tone and I love the character so I'm trying to be like alright this has got to be me applying later knowledge to it but it's just it's no, been really a, hard i've known it in both ways like i've known lord of the rings fans that don't like his portrayal in that one like he's a dirty hobo in the movies when he should be a, he's a god king in the book I'm like 
Yeah. Yeah, but I kind of like the dirty hobo approach. <laughs> humble about it, and you know, it's not so big dick waving like I'm the fucking king. Bow down. Yeah, like yeah. the way the way the one more thing about this the way the movie oh. portrays it to me feels like a man who is so perfect to be king that he cannot escape it whether he wants it or not. Like, it's so... Vigo plays it so that, like, yeah, of course that guy's gonna be the king, regardless of whether he tells you it or not. Whereas, Book Aragorn feels like he can't wait to tell you how much of a god yeah. king he is. <laughs> well, Vigo's performance also gets, like, the guilt he feels of, if it weren't for my ancestors, we wouldn't be doing this. Yeah, exactly. Which I always huh. thought was the best bit. And, like, reading the book, I'm like, oh, wait, that was, like, a Jackson original? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Anyway, I don't... I want to be positive. I just want to get that. That's like the only real problem I'm having with my read through right now. <laughs> I think fair, fair criticisms. And I, I guess I can say that I haven't, I don't feel like I've gotten that read off of it, but I do know that Aragorn way was way more comfortable with his role as soon to be King in the books. And, and Alex and I, my boyfriend and I just recently read almost all of it. Uh, actually, he read it to me, which was very lovely. So I, I love that you're reading to your girlfriend, too, because there's something very sexy about that. Agreed. But <laughs> it's it's a lovely thing. Like, I, I, By I, the way, I, if you I, like I, fantasy and you haven't read Name of the Wind, good stuff. Anyway. I, I, I've never even heard of it, so I'm going to have to check it out. But I'm going to feel like it's homework, so I probably never will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah, I, I think the truth is the book writing style basically goes from kind of a kid's tale in the hobbit to bridging the gap a little bit with the fellowship and then turning into a full-fledged greek tragedy or a shakespearean tragedy um or you know shakespearean epic war yeah. epic. Yeah. So, there are there are certain things that reading it i feel like the book does that at least from my understanding a movie just couldn't do which is interesting because the whole Shelob encounter, when we spend some time in Shelob's like thought process without actually being there, the way that's written was perfect because it made her it's feel yeah. yeah, it made her feel like this eldritch thing that is ununderstandable, and and I love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, there is a, I think that's the stuff that makes it stand the test of time too. And when you think about it in reality, he doesn't go into a lot of detail about battle even though all we can think remember is the battle oh yeah helm's deep is honestly and i mean this as like helm's deep is the worst chapter in the book as far as i can tell but i mean that as more like helm's deep in the movie is possibly one of the greatest battle sequences in I any argue, movie ever it's the best battle sequence ever put to film. And in the book it's half a chapter where they basically just say oh yeah we fought all night <laughs> it's kind of crazy when you think about like the difference there it really i is. get it he's a war vet he doesn't want to glorify yeah. or describe war <laughs> which is fine which is why i don't consider that an actual criticism i just think it's funny that that's the source material they turned into that scene oh i know jackson had to work hard i don't know i think it's kind of funny and again everyone knows the quote you know uh tolkien did not believe in metaphor or any of that and it's like Allegory. are you sure you weren't yeah, Alry, are you sure you weren't working through some stuff in this book? Because it oh, really feels sure like you're was. working through some stuff in this book. <laughs> I think that's the funny thing is one of my philosophies is if you want to um, know what someone isn't, listen to them tell you what they think they are. Yeah. So, 
it's it's ironic but of course that there's allegory there but just like any good artwork or piece of art the the reader's going to glean what they need from it anyway and if he wasn't in war i i imagine he would have a hard time describing it in general or so, or or the toll of it yeah so we've been we've been dancing around this question already but i want to make it explicit and hear what comes to your mind when you when you hear these words which is why do you love this thing mm. yeah i think that's a tough question actually um i think it's i think i loved it because my father loved it i loved it because of the fantasy aspect of it i loved it i love it because I'm able to find something new each time I read it or watch it. Something else that I learn about myself or about the characters where I, or like, yeah, what most recently. So now my new co-host on podcast of the rings is Ben Goddard. And we just did a series uh, of each episode on one of the members of the fellowship. And we did one on Frodo and we're like, Oh my God, Frodo's like the best actually. <laughs> and he's, and no one talks about Frodo. No one's like, hey, Frodo, thanks so much for all the sacrifices you made. So much so that he's like, yeah, this world isn't for me anymore because, like, I don't relate to anybody. And, like... I mean, to be to fair, me Samwise is very easy to steal the spotlight without even needing to. Don't listen to their episode on Sam. We're going to actually totally gloss over the fact that you just talked about Sam right now because oh. uh, that's... Yeah, no. Okay. I, I, I thought I was going to be with you, and then you went down a path. I'm like, oh, nope. I'm, uh, nope, nope. Which Can't path follow did her. I go down? Well, you know what? Which... I'm not saying positive or negative. I'm just saying that the character can steal the spotlight in a very strong way. <laughs> That's where I thought she was going to go. That is not at all where she went. <laughs> well, I, th I think there's just complex. I think Frodo. Listen, your legal defense of Smeagol does not hold up. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you listen to the episode on Sam you'll see that I, I I was able to have a more nuanced opinion on Sam okay. than from when I originally started the episode. Okay, that's fair. I will also admit that I just adore Sean Astin and basically everything he does, so I have that. And he makes that character so charming. Yeah. And it's wonderful. So I, I can under I, I give you that. You are allowed that for sure. Yeah. I will say um, that if we're going just off book, Sam, I could see a very different take. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> the relationship between him and Frodo is disproportionate. It's all sorts of complicated. Yeah, it's He's a wonderful. lot more slavey in the book. Yeah, yeah there's no denying that, like, oh, this is master servant kind of relationship. And, like, he doesn't technically own Sam, but he owns the <laughs> land that Sam lives on. It's, 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 a, it's an, an unequal relationship that I think then, after some time and the struggles that they went to, they're, they obviously rise into a different level of relationship anyway anyway uh, but you were talking about but, frodo and how frodo's awesome <laughs> well that's but i guess that's my point is like you can you know i don't know if anyone talks about this on the show as one of the reasons but i think i love lord of the rings so much because a lot of other people that i love love lord of the rings and mm -hmm. i can easily it's like a shorthand with other geeks too right so mm -hmm. i kind there's something that in, in that sheer fact alone kind of keeps you coming back to it. It's like, oh, I can relate to you about that. That's awesome. And Lord of the Rings really just ha does have that like overarching grasping power to it that so many different types of people love it that you can relate to it. The other thing is too, I think probably this is a big one for me. 
I want that. I want the world to be that kind of magical, mm-hmm. and and I want to be an elf or a fairy, and so it's kind of fun to just live in that world. I I never get the people that say that because it's like, but the world is dying, and you're just getting off on a boat to go somewhere else. Well, if you're an elf, yeah, the, the elves, elves like suck. literally, elves every, suck. it sucks for everyone. The elves, they're gonna leave. The dwarves, I don't know what happens to the dwarves. Depends Humans on how long you live. <laughs> The I know. I'm are just probably saying, still in the mountains. We just don't know how to get to them. Yeah. Well, they, they say like the magic is literally draining of the world. I'm like, oh, so the only smart choice is the Urukai because at least they're having fun on the way out. So if we're talking right. about like shorthand, as for like other geeks, then I might say, and I can see this taken as a positive and a negative. If there's a character that I relate to the most, it's probably Faramir, both book and movie form. You relate to Faramir, the greatest man to ever live? I That's not the part of him I relate to. I relate more <laughs> to his, his struggles with familial responsibility and things like what he has to hold on his shoulders. And I feel sure, Boromir gets short-shifted in this discussion. Um, well, not in our episode because Boromir, you know, even my boyfriend has a lot of love for Boromir, too because he also was just trying to fulfill what he felt like his duty was. Yep. And honestly, you can be a Denethor apologist too when you think that about it. That one's a bit harder, but I can see like if you want to sit down and argue for Denethor, that that makes sense. Arguing for Gollum and Smeagol, no, I'm sorry, there's no defense there. <laughs> no, I, I I fine. You're yeah. entitled to that opinion, but I think like you can just see like these are these are men who are fallible. That's the whole point about men in Lord of the Rings is that it's, they're yes. not perfect unless you're Aragorn. What, what did you say, Ulrich? No, you're 100% right. It literally is dudes, humanity, we suck. Yeah, we so, really fuck up at any opportunity. Yeah. Shiny right. rings? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mo- totally. movie characters, favorite's going to be Aragorn. Book, it's Gimli. Yeah, I think I, I, think I loved Arwen just because like, I felt like I wanted to look like Arwen. <laughs> That's so, like, oh, reasonable. <laughs> maybe that pretty my sister has a, a live tyler thing so i think i always envied that but i i think i relate to eowyn a lot especially as i've become more aware of what kind of feminist i am eowyn's the superior character of the two she is mm-hmm. arwen is underwritten and uh, just basically a lady in waiting well she mm-hmm. i think like she got put in because tolkien's daughter pointed out like dad there's not a lot of women in this story and he's like oh yeah you're right uh, Elrond has a daughter who's good at stuff. There we and go. And then Fixed you it. get him just like literally retconning Galadriel in, and you have one of the most amazing female characters. Yeah, he's like, time. okay, I can't do much with you, but you, you were there at the beginning. Let's make you badass. That's so cool because he's like, okay, we're going to Lothlorien. Oh, there should be an elf queen there. Like that's, I mean, honestly, the way the way Tolkien writes, whether you're a fan or of how he writes or not. It's one of my favorite... Uh... It's descriptive. That is kind of like, how much detail do you want? Oh, well, I more mean um, his style of world building. Let me be oh. more accurate. Mm-hmm. His style of world building is as though he's discovering or uncovering the actual truths of that world rather than writing it. Almost like an and archaeologist. That was kind of his motivation. Say like that again. Felt England, that was kind of his motivation. He, feel that, he felt that England didn't have a proper mythology. So and and why not build it that way? And so that like, oh yeah, maybe she could have been there from the beginning of time. I don't know. And I and I just love that. I think that kind of approach to artistry um, is it's uh, actually very similar to how like 
a sculptor works with like a slab of marble there the sculpture is there from the beginning of the slab of marble it's the sculpture to release that just them knows, well yeah what pieces are need to go in order to show it as a quick side thing can i hear a a bit of the because <laughs> i hadn't heard faramir as the greatest like <laughs> i i haven't heard that bit before so like what's the oh, the behind um, it <laughs> I think Faramir shows qualities where he knows it's not even going to benefit him of, like, you know how you have some heroes know that they have to be heroes, so they're going to act like a hero. I think that's kind of maybe what ticks you off about Aragorn in in the books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Oromir is the firstborn, so he feels like he's got to do X, Y, and Z, and, you know, it's all riding on him. His dad believes in him, yada, yada, yada. Um Faramir knows full well that Boromir is going to get all the pride, like, you know, glory or whatever. All he wants is, like, his dad's approval, etc. Or not etc., but that's, like, like the, probably one of the main motivating factors for Faramir is his dad's approval. But you see him treat Frodo with fairness and kindness. He doesn't ask for the ring. Um, he's doing his best to be, like, a like a a good leader i i feel like we see the best a man can be when not as much as expected of him like how a man should be not and i i mean man is the human well no i'm just clarifying for the audience (laughs) uh because tolkien refers to the mankind you know man um how a human can be whether there are stakes riding on it or not well it's funny because when I when I say that like that I relate to Faramir, one of the things that I ascribe or uh, aspire that I aspire to is he has a a set of examples of oh shit just went horrible in front of me okay let's deal with it let's not panic let's just handle it <laughs> totally totally uh, and uh, that's kind of when you think about it too like Faramir yeah had a moment of temptation and weakness actually several like you can understand that is the most evil ring on the planet that is doing its best to tempt him like these are men that are just trying to protect their people and do the best that they can and there's something really admirable about it that that make you go oh i i understand why there's something worth saving in the human race yeah no faramir redeems boromir like story-wise well, and like, I everyone hates love... Boromir because he has his moment of weakness, and then Faramir shows up and goes, "Nope, I'm not going to repeat my brother's mistake. Go on, Frodo." And everyone's like, "Oh, Faramir's so great!" Like, "Oh, come on now." Well, and Boromir truly loved Aragorn as well, even though, like, I think there was some animosity, but envy that, like, well, I would, I would have liked to have been the king, but it's just bloodline. It didn't work out that way. I, but... his father coming. I will out. say, right. I will say, as an additional thing, though. After watching Rings of Power, I saw Elrond and Durin and was like, well, I see me and Ulrich in this. <laughs> yeah. Right. I love that. That was the best friend. That was a great fiction of friendship. And yeah, no, watching it like, fuck, I'm Durin. This this is my personality. <laughs> I my, love well, even my that. wife leaned over. It's like, he's mad at his friend. And rather than tell him why his friend is mad, he just gets, picks a fight with him. <laughs> you see the parallels here. I'm like, yes, I see the parallels here. And it's a and it's a competition of strength. Not words, brute strength. Like I get what they're saying. 
Oh my goodness. Well, that's what makes amazing, amazing storytelling, right? Is you're the ability. I mean, there's nothing in the text that supports Elrond and Durin being friends. I don't believe. It, yeah. But, <laughs> but also I, that version of Elrond, not the Hugo Weaving Elrond, but that Elrond where he's kind of nerdy, kind of gangly, but he's pretty chill, pretty calm, but also kind of in over his head. Yeah, I relate to that a lot. <laughs> well, and I feel like that's a better depiction of how Tolkien. Um, I meant him to be to begin yeah. with. Yeah. Um, well, Hugo but, but, Weaving's Elrond is Elrond that has seen decades of war. And, which and is Elrond not the book. has gone through so much. Yes. But but I don't know that elves suffer PTSD. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> what I mean? I just don't think they have the constitution for mental health issues. So initially, Tolkien wrote Elrond as uh, they, he described him as kind as Christmas and then realized Christmas didn't exist yet in their mythology. So uh, just kind as something, but yeah, but he comes like, Oh crap. There's no Christ here. Well, <laughs> well exactly. To... Which I just love that. Fallibility I know. So, too. Yeah. so to follow that up with the classic, like geek conversation stuff, it, you, you mentioned really as a, as you were younger, liking Eowyn, but, or Arwen because of the Liv Tyler wanted to be like that. And then as you got older, being really into Eowyn, as we established being a, a, a more fully fleshed out character anyway, what would you say at this point would be the character you relate to and your favorite character in any version? Sure. Yeah. I'm glad you're coming back to this because I didn't get to fully finish the thought. I, I, a, I think I liked Arwen as well because the romance aspect of it. Mm-hmm. The Eowyn Fairmere romance comes a little too late for me to, like, opine over it. Mm-hmm. But I think now I want to be Aragorn, and I think I love Vigo the most. I really do. Um, I mean, there's so much... I, I, I mean, as a kid, I was hot and heavy for <laughs> Orlando Bloom playing Legolas. Like, thought I wanted to join the Royal Academy of <laughs> Dramatic Arts. Like, I just... I wanted anything he did to be what I did. <laughs> but, but I... I, t- I want to relate to the Aragorn I see in the movies mm-hmm. more than anything. And I love how Vigo plays him. I really genuinely do. Um, and I think just as a side note, we really should give Elijah Wood like a lot of credit for just how fucking awesome he was in that movie. And at such a young age, he really served that role very well and is unsung in very much the same way that Frodo is. You know, it is true because reading all the stuff from Frodo's perspective that I've read so far, Frodo is, I'm not going to say worse or better, but he does feel almost fundamentally different in the book to me. But I think part of that is that he's written to be older. Like he's but young he's for all. He's not that much older in the book. He's, um, he's no, I mean, I, is... physically. Yes. But I mean that like the, from what I can see anyway, emotionally, he strikes me as being written closer to, what I can imagine what Tolkien saw as like an average audience. At least that's the impression I get. Whereas Elijah Wood's performance skews more, it just skews younger. I think I those, that. yeah, they serve different purposes. I think, I don't think one's better well, than the other. This is what my most recent observation through reading it is. Um, I think Frodo sees the kind of person and the kind of morals that Aragorn espouses and that and and 
Frodo takes that to heart almost immediately. <laughs> now, granted, the ring also does bring a regality to him and like a, a, a like a consciousness that I don't know that he otherwise would have had. But something about I if if you look at it if you ever read it again with then just kind of look at it like like examine Frodo. He's he's trying to be a leader in the same way he sees Aragorn as one, and mm-hmm. it's actually kind of fascinating. And he does a very good job of it, I think. Oh yeah, I definitely see um, that. That's p- kind of part of what. Security noises. My cat is rubbing his face up against my mic arm. Oh so no, no worries. Didn't hear that. anything. But no, that's kind of exactly what I'm talking about. I remember reading several sequences. I don't remember specifically where where Frodo has to take charge of the situation, and and I again, this is a neutral observation in the movie when Elijah Woods Frodo seems like he's doing that. It feels more like a kid putting on airs, like trying mm-hmm. to do what's right. Whereas Frodo in the book feels like, okay, I've seen other people do this. I can do it too. I'm I'm pretty you know educated and. You know, I'm good at handling these kind of adaptations, and he, he he's able to put on that, like, almost lordly, you said regal, kind of performance well, I think. I th- and I think he believes it. I think, he, I think you're right. Like, I think that's what impresses me about him the most is he's watching and learning <laughs> and then does it. I think that's amazing. I think that's pretty, it's pretty cool to see that put into action. It is funny how, though, in both, in any version of it, Frodo is something uh it's weird calling him unsung since he's literally the end writer of the story he's the ring bearer he's the the focus of it you you could yes lord of the rings is sauron technically but you could argue that frodo being the controller of the one ring throughout the entirety of the book could also make him titular in a way but he's so overshadowed in a general audience perspective by quote-unquote more active characters like Gandalf and Aragorn yeah it's because his story is a sad story it kind of ends in tragedy like he doesn't go on to become king he doesn't go on to have a dozen kids he's kind of devastated by this journey and then sails to the you know the heaven essentially the heaven and he doesn't get any cool sword fights or epic speeches or battles he's just there drudging it out and that's kind of why everyone else kind of shoves him aside is like his story isn't glamorous. Glamorous, I like again, that word. He's taken for granted. He's yes, super which, taken for granted. Going back to, again, Tolkien's working through some shit. This is the soldier that fought in the trenches, saw some horrible shit, and then came home, had a peaceful life, never did anything grand or great, but saw some truly haunting shit. Sure. But no one talked about it. Again, this is Tolkien working through his shit. A hundred percent. I agree with you on that. I think he does his best to not make it word for word allegory. I don't think you could point it toward uh, any anybody he served with in the end. No, you know, I think yeah, it's I've, just a collective experience. I've seen Correct. internet takes try to map Lord of the Rings directly onto World War One and I think they are stretching. But I There but was it, a yeah. movie that did it too. I and he would Yeah, be I remember when that came out and it was just like, what the f- no. Yeah. Now he'd be horrified. Now saying that there aren't connections would also be disingenuous, but like you said, I don't think it's a direct allegory in any way. <laughs> yeah, the Dead Marshes is, is it goes beyond allegory and it's one to one. A battlefield full of waterlogged corpses that you know was a great battle. I wonder what that could be referencing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's I mean, you just can't divorce the two. That's all. It but it doesn't but I didn't need to know that to love it as a kid. I well, think that's the important takeaway. Well, I will also say I'm a 
personally, this, and this is just me, and I would never put this on anyone else, I believe that uh, our authorial intent only matters as much as you, the reader, decide it matters. So if it enhances your experience to know that Tolkien specifically wasn't trying to create any sort of allegory for his experience in World War One, that's fine. On the other hand, if it enhances your experience to point out, like, well, this actually does map really well, regardless of whether or not he intended it, that's also fine. Art kind of evolves, and the further it gets away from the artist, the more the audience has kind of control over its interpretation. Yeah, the audience owns it. I believe it's a um, song by Wilco and Jeff Tweedy is like, it's not mine anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, the second the second you put it out there, it is it is all all that matters is how they interpret it, and all the artists can hope to have done is um, express themselves as clearly and intentionally as possible. Which is funny in reference to Tolkien because he was revising that thing till the day he died. <laughs> Which may right actually kind of makes me feel a little bit better about all my unfinished paintings like no no i need to write some more stuff in the margins death come on man no 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 they need to know what happened in 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 in, in. no they're gonna be really upset my son will have to finish it people will be mad at my son because <laughs> hey could be worse could be what happened with dune <laughs> oh i was God. gonna say wheel of time but yeah any number of books that ended in someone else go here you go you know what they intended but this, oh, so this brings poor, us to, yeah. So this brings us to what, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know if Ulrich feels this way, is the most important question of the conversation of the Pillars of Geekdom conversation. Okay. And, and you can take as much time with this as you want, but what does this being a one of your pillars say about you? It doesn't. I'm just kidding. I wanted to just say that no matter <laughs> what the question was. Um, what does it say about me? What do you feel um, anyway? It did, no objective here. No, what no. do you feel it says about you? Oh, I love that. Well, I think, actually, I'll, I'll preface this with there's a school of thought when it comes to acting that your four or five pillars, as you guys name them, um, favorite movies um, all have a shared theme, and then that theme kind of reflects the kind of storytelling you enjoy. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of guides, it's meant to like guide you toward working on similar pro uh, projects. Like I love um, Almost Famous, Moulin Rouge, uh, Fifth Element, certain things like that. There's a lot of like um, Star-Crossed Lover situations that I just, Pride and Prejudice, um, these uh, love overcoming everything mm -hmm. to succeed. But then still the real the reality, like a lot of those movies, like the love doesn't work out or someone dies or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I say Moulin Rouge ends with, you know, everyone dead, doesn't it? Uh, just her. But, um, but, but they got to experience love, you know, okay, and yeah. he, and they overcame it to do it, but it's, it's not a, my thing. I never did, did the class that I, I was supposed that, that you should in order to espouse this properly. But I think if you were to look at like what my love of Lord of the Rings means about me is that I'm someone who likes to employ or hope for the magic of the world to be a little bit real that your act that my actions have an impact whether i know what they are or not but serve the greater good to some extent like uh yeah. not to take your words but kind of like it sounds like a belief in a fundamental optimism and an impact on that that you can have 
Yeah, I think that's a very nice way to think about it. I was um, about and, to ask, have you seen any of the stuff from Cartoon Saloon? No, I don't even know what that that's, is. That's uh, Song of the Sea, Wolf Walker, and Secret mm-hmm. of Kells. Oh, Secret of Kells. Okay. I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need a list of things you guys suggested. Today. These are these are animated movies made by an actual Irish animation studio about largely Irish mythology. Yeah, and the running theme is about the magic we used to have is leaving the world and the tragedy in that. Oh, okay. Sounds totally up my my alley. It's it's really really good. It's really really sad, especially when you understand it as a metaphor for the you know slow degradation of Irish culture. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but it's it. it's but no you're just, you're like your love of the magic in the world which these movies are all a celebration of there is magic in the world and it is beautiful and wonderful and worth preserving well i like that she went there specifically because when i think of lord of the rings and i think about its placement in popular culture lord of the rings is so re- like ludicrously influential and foundational to entire genre to the an entire genre of, yeah, of it's thi- called of, the Tolkien effect for a reason. Yeah, it that there defined are, fantasy. That and like this happens to anything that becomes super influential in a genre. You end up having to twist and so much. You end up with deconstructions and all that, and it reaches a point where that that basic fundamental idea of you know good will win out at the end, which is espoused several times by characters like very specifically in the book, and sure. that idea of like you know that there is magic in the world. It it can come off as corny to a modern audience because they're used to all these more deconstructionist kind of takes. And I feel like really loving something foundational and fundamental like that, I think is a, that's why I use the term optimism. It's got a fundamental optimism that I think is very important. It's the reason why, like I'm a Superman fan for a similar reason. Although yeah, I love that man more. Will pay off. Which is fine. <laughs> you don't oh, have no, to but... you don't have to be consistent across all your pillars. No, no, <laughs> get off the podcast. Okay, we, thank we, you we so much. Batman. Fuck Batman, goddammit. No, Superman sucks, but anyway. Oh uh... Jesus, no. I, I will not defend Batman Superman, but I will in the face of Batman. I <laughs> like both, so it's fine. <laughs> You know, as I've gotten older too, I can understand the criticisms of Batman. It's like, oh wait, you're a millionaire, billionaire. Actually, you should just be philanthropic. <laughs> like, yeah. don't go be a vigilante. But but anyway, my my point was that it's it's the same. There are a bunch of shows that, uh, or a bunch of media like that that I'm a big fan of. Ted Lasso and One Piece are also big things for me that sir, that have that same kind of uh, vibe to them. And I and I so I like hearing that that's what you you honed in on there real quick i want to see if we broke the streak have you seen ted lasso i have yes we've we broke uh, okay we've had so many guests on the podcast have not seen ted lasso every time we reference it for the record uh ted lasso is a superman show it is entirely a superman show and i love it (laughs) i do i mean let's put it this way i don't hate superman i just think when you are faced with the great choice of between batman i think my my opinion has become hyperbole because mm. you have to like one or the other oh so, nah. <laughs> yeah no that's fair um i can Aquaman find this cries in the corner <laughs> yes <laughs> and green lantern's like <laughs> who remembers green lantern scott scott rubin that, that was a bait for scott because i know it scott really would just start yelling at me it I... would that's exactly right. oh i feel it <laughs> How dare you besmirch Green Lantern? Yes, Scott, we know. 
Green Lantern's Well, great. that's why I brought up P- Peter Parker. I shouldn't have said anything. I should have just said Peter Parker's the best representation of heroes, heroism in our day. <laughs> no, I mean, I love Spider-Man, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I think, I think um, one of the main issues, one of the things that gives Scott umbrage is uh, his quips during fights. <laughs> well, it's funny because... I don't think the quips are important. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, which gets criticized sometimes for him not being quippy. I'm like, yeah, quips are not what make Peter Parker to me. (laughs) Anyway. No, sure. I think there's a lot more to him, obviously, that makes him um, a a wonderful character. That, And I love that he isn't just Tony Stark. Do you know what I mean? I love that they've widened him out to, you can be Spider-Man. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So after the, the, what it says about you question, all that's left for our actual topic, because <laughs> you, you it feels like you mesh with us well, and that if, if we have a guest that meshes with us well, we will branch and tangent a lot. <laughs> so anyway, do you have any concluding thoughts you'd like to leave the listeners with about Lord of the Rings? Hmm. Let me just ponder this for two seconds. Mm-hmm. I My instinct initially was to... In general, let people like what they like. And if someone hasn't yet found their way into Lord of the Rings or claims to not like it, it's so much better to, rather than being interesting, to be interested. So we're usually inspired by someone's enthusiasm to explore something rather than telling someone that they should read or watch it. So there's something for everyone in Lord of the Rings. And I feel like just because that's the case, almost everyone could like it. They probably do. I don't even know if that's a full fledged thought, but yeah, if you have an opportunity to share Lord of the Rings with somebody, uh, allow them to find what matters to them and, and support and encourage that. Also racists suck and call them <laughs> out at every turn. Yeah. Even though they're just doing it to get clickbait, you still have to be the one that's, speaking out against it i also think rings of power is good (laughs) like it's okay that it doesn't fully hold with canon uh, jackson stuff didn't either and and if people like it shut up and let them like it that's just my my advice for fandom in general it's okay to say you like things even if it's not perfect also and this is for me personally i'll take any opportunity to bring this up it's also okay to not like something while yes. still admitting that it's good. Like, something can be sure. good and not for you. <laughs> if you don't like it, you don't have to talk about it. That is the lesson the internet desperately needs to take away. Like, I didn't like this thing. Cool. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ben, uh, my co-host for Podcast of the Rings, was saying, stop hate-watching things, you know? Yeah. But, but it's such good a critical thing. But, and, like, even us, like, we have podcasts and we're critics and stuff. Like, it's a, there's certain things that I just don't need to talk about, and I just enjoy them, you know? There's and that's so little yeah. time in the day. Why are you spending it hating things? Well, well admittedly, anyway. admittedly, sometimes it can be cathartic and fun. I, well, I have... I'm, I'm, I'm going to flip it. I'm an angry motherfucker that hates lots of things, but I hate things that deserve hating, not shows <laughs> I don't like. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's a complicated thing and a whole different conversation. I'll just say, <laughs> hate political systems, not the fact that they cast a black woman as a dwarf. Move on. Find <laughs> other things. Get a hobby. Right. I think that's right. Yeah. I, I just this think it's important. It's called internet porn. It's a better use of your time. <laughs> yeah. 
unless you're an addict, which then go see help for yeah. a pornaholic. I'd rather have you be a pornaholic than a racist. You know what? You're only hurting yourself then. Anyway, so Jessica, thank you very much for coming on and talking with us. I look forward to many uh, additional guest spots, as I know that uh, Scott has been on several times. Oh, no. And I and I said to Scott, I said to Scott, well, why haven't they asked me? And Scott said, you have to tell them you want to be on the show. And I said, very good. Got it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you want to come back? We'll make space for you. I, no, I feel I'm like glad. Scott's going to, I'm going to get a message from Scott, like, don't let her come back. She said, no. <laughs> I'm also lying through my teeth right now. But thank you. So anyway, this was a great opportunity. So much, so much fun, you guys. So much fun. <laughs> so at this point, is, as part of our thanks, we bring out the special soapbox that you can stand on. And take this time to plug anything and everything that you want to the listeners. Sure. I mean, you could check out Podcast of the Rings. I'd strongly recommend it. We're a fun, also tangential conversation show about Lord of the Rings. Um, There's also, like, just this week while we're recording this, an episode of my other podcast over on the Ronberry Entertainment Network. Uh, We released our interview with one of the actors from the Orville, Jay Lee. Hmm. Um, so that was a really great, inspiring conversation. We got to talk, talk with Seth MacFarlane at one point. We've talked with several actors of the show, um, or mostly creatives, actually, from like behind the scenes. But yeah, if you want to follow along with us there, and you can occasionally watch me doing Twitch stuff, where Ulrich might be there yelling at me. A gentle encouragement a, more than yelling. <laughs> no, it's very... Not when I, when I understood that if you didn't like what I was doing, you wouldn't be there, then everything was fine. Uh, but that's twitch.tv forward slash Jessica Nerdy, N-E-R-D-Y. That just reminded me, we were that was the episode I was going to get you on for, was we eventually we're going to do a Orville episode, because I love the Orville, but I don't really do Star Trek. Whereas I am a great a, conversation. Whereas I'm a giant Star Trek fan in general, who liked season one of the Orville and got like halfway through season two, and I did liked it, I just never got around to finishing it. I, <laughs> I think season it. one's the weakest season. And season three is insane, and I would strongly encourage you to check it out because it becomes its own thing. I mean, I just finished um, Strange New World, which is amazing. But Yeah, 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 that would be an awesome conversation. So if you want to ever do that, I'm around. Anyway, so we move on to now we do our suggestions of the week. As an example, uh, we're just going to talk about something that we've been into recently for the audience. I've recently been watching video essays on YouTube from a channel called Melon Trees, they're primarily, what I've seen so far, One Piece related, so if you're a One Piece fan particularly, otherwise they're probably going to be pretty spoilery, but if you're listening and you haven't seen her video essays, they're wonderful. Very good stuff. Melon Trees. Ulrich? Yeah, I'll go next. Uh, I'm going to suggest a podcast I feel like, I, I'm jealous they had this idea before we did. It's called The Villain Was Right Podcast, and they take a movie or TV show, and then they take the villain, and they try and defend the villain, which is like, mm. god Damn it, that's a really good idea. Why didn't we think of that? Yeah. That's very smart. And sometimes they're up against the wall. Like they did Gone Girl, which is one of the funniest episodes mm. ever, because they're like, um, I don't know how we construct events. Ben Affleck's an asshole in this movie. That that, that covers our bases, right? No? Okay, <laughs> let's let's mount an actual defense. The most recent one, which I've referenced, which was Malcolm in the Middle, which had some of the best jokes of like Lois is in no way a villain of that show because look at those boys. Yeah. They are feral monsters. Absolutely. And the older you get, the more you side with Lois. And again, my favorite <laughs> quotes of the episode, because it applies to me, is 
you can tell a dude that's had nothing but brothers because yeah. they just become feral <laughs> and i have five brothers and i'm like wow. oh they might be on something and you can tell the mother of boys because they've got this thousand yard stare of broken shit <laughs> my sister my brother's has three boys and his wife is very upset about it <laughs> i thought about it and then i went and asked my wife and i'm like i told her that and she's like have you ever noticed that when your brothers get together you immediately just start punching each other like animals <laughs> like oh you're right I'm like yeah no you went fucking feral that's that's what happens when you get that many boys together so yeah it's a great hilarious podcast and it's always fun to see like okay what's the argument they're going to try and make for this one sometimes it makes sense like jaws he was a shark he was doing shark things nothing wrong with that there we go that's fair he was a shark he's is he is he really the antagonist or is the exactly this is the whereas now, the mayor <laughs> the mayor is undefendable whereas yeah. watch someone try to defend the high evolutionary just wait for that give and, me a couple old fashions i might be able to anyway jessica do you have a suggestion for the audience yeah, uh, besides the fact that my boyfriend and I are watching Veronica on Mars right now, it's so, so good. Um, it is. I am all in on this. Um, it's what she, the way she refers to it is real person ASMR. So she's, uh, it's called Calm Moon ASMR. It's a YouTube channel. And she spends about an hour. And the first episode, the first one I watched, she ends up explaining who the, the, the model is that she does like tracing and face tracing and tracing on is like one of her best friends of all time so it's actually kind of very sweet she's just like basically relaxing the shit out of her best friend <laughs> playing with her hair and her back and her neck and it's it's so it's like the teeniest bit erotic but it's for oh, me, I, I, say, it, this feels like all right like AS, oh, like asmr is inherently got that that like you know like 10 percent erotic just kind of always. my mom when she first found out that she asked like is it is it a sex thing I, said, I think it's a little bit of sex thing. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it isn't. But also because it's two women that are bronze and touching each other, it became, it became. It okay, became it's not even a little bit. That's like a good portion. I don't get it, but that's okay. And it works for me. Like, it's just something about it. It works. And I was trying to, like, find a good person on TikTok. And some, they're a little too, like, ADHD for me, which more power to you if that works TikTok. for you that's and all what tiktok is adhd exactly and so it was really nice to find just like this because oh, i'm trying to go to sleep too and then i'm also like but i want to watch it anyway so if i want to watch like two ASMR, women touch each other's faces before i go to sleep the i i, I made sure to look, i just looked up the channel while we were talking to make sure i got the name right and she's like rubbing roses on her back now so it's hot it's very hot so do you do you with that information? Now I see why you and Scott are such good friends. Yes, he brought that out in me for sure. <laughs> he has that effect on people. Yes, yes, he does. Well, I mean, we made an entire channel at his suggestion for a yeah, he's stuff. that section of the Discord. <laughs> he's 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 he fucking root, he gets his sperm over everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so I, never let you come back. I had to do the same thing in my Discord. So. Well, you know what? That's a that's a fine place to to take us into our outro. So <laughs> thank you again, Jessica, for talking with us. Thank you for having me. All right. Yeah, give me a second to recover from that last line. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things that podcasts demand of you because you know you want to come back for more high-quality content like that. And if you aren't subscribed, you're going to miss out on it. 
And whatever platform you're currently listening to this on, thank you for doing that. If there's some other platform that would be more convenient for you, or you looked for us on first and didn't find us, well, tell us about it. And if it's feasible, we'll make it happen. As always, it's been Lord Commander Ulrich. And his shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.